Hello and welcome. It's Graham Norton here. Thank you so much for listening to my Virgin Radio podcast. Coming up, New Zealand comedian Rose Matafeo spills all about her new stand-up special Horn Dog. James Buckley transports us to the mythical land of Monty in sitcom Zapped. Actress Nicola Walker brings us up to speed ahead of Unforgotten Series 4. And Charlene McKenna takes us behind the crime scenes of a brand new BBC drama called Bloodlands. But first, here's Maria. Hey, Maria, guess mm-hmm. what? We've had our feedback. I know. Have we? We've had our feedback. Is it feedback. a legal letter, Graham? Is it a legal letter from a lawyer? <laughs> yes, it's a cease and desist. <laughs> Please. <laughs> uh, no, this is, it's lovely. It's from uh, Danny, who, uh, he asked for advice about coming out as a 49-year-old married man. And do you remember this from a few weeks ago? Yes. Yeah. And the the feedback is this. I just like to say a big thank you as I've spoken with my wife and sons who have been fabulous and are accepting and supporting me as I start this journey. A P.S. The LGBT Foundation was so helpful. Isn't that lovely? Oh, well done, Danny. And congratulations. And hooray for your wife and children too. But mostly hooray for us because we gave great advice. That's really what it's about. I mean, it's nice to Danny, but really, I mean, it's about us. Thank you so much. Yay! Yay! Um, How are you, my dear? How are you? How are you? I'm I'm good, thank you, Graham. I'm very good. I'm. (laughs) You know that thing a few weeks ago where people were posting on Twitter and social media and saying, "My mum's had her COVID jab," and everyone go whoop whoop whoop. Now I've got lots of friends that are saying, "Oh, going in tomorrow for my jab," and I'm thinking, "You're younger than me," so I'm going, "Yeah, okay." So I, I. emailed my surgery, said, hello, <laughs> I'm here, hello. any chance? And I got a very terse letter back saying, um, you're in group seven, whatever that means, and we've no idea when that will be. Thank you. Oh, wow. Quite square surgery. Oh, because I'm the same as you, because I've been, I've been seeing people kind of, you know, thinking they're my age or close to my age going in, and uh, I'd nary a dicky bird for me. I'm nothing. No, nothing. I keep thinking every time I see people that are younger than me, you know, in their 50s, early 50s, I keep thinking, well, you'd better have an underlying health condition. Because <laughs> <or laughs> I'm like that too. To I, I, I see them and like, I wonder what's wrong with them. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. You feel like sending them a letter. Oh, what is it exactly that you've got? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we must just do a shout out to um, our lovely colleague um, from the old place, Joe Wiley, and her sister, Francis, oh, yes. who's currently in hospital. Um, and any other people with LD, learning difficulties, who are, you know, struggling to get a jab. I mean, you know, it's a difficult one. We're really on top of this, but there does seem to be discrepancies. But big love to you, Joe Wiley, and all your family. Yeah, I felt for her so much this week. I mean, that's just a mm. terrible situation to but be Graham, in. Graham, your hair is very long. I watched your televisual show last night. I know. And I thought, well, he's he's going to go into a ponytail territory shoot soon, surely. No, it's like thistledown on my head, isn't it? It's just... I. Look I look. <laughs> no, it looked very nice. I actually quite like it um, long, but I'm kind of waiting for you to do the tousledy Boris Johnson kind of look soon. That will be soon. Well, see, it was fine. When I was on my, because I was on my special supplements, uh, I'm sure I've discussed my supplements before. And well, I, you've discussed them with me, but not the nation, but I fear you're about no, to I change think all I, that. No, I think I've mentioned, well, anyway, what I did was I kind of, you know, bored them. <laughs> Oh dear, Dolly, you okay? Did you did you step on her? Sorry. <laughs> uh, pause for post. 
pause for post. Uh, yes, carry on. Okay. So one happened, you know, that thing, uh, somebody's saying in lockdown, there are basically there's days when you're expecting a parcel and days when there's no parcel. And that's the only thing. Yeah. So I wanted a parcel. So I sent off for uh, the supplements uh, things. And what I didn't understand was they were coming from America. I thought they were coming from here. So I only, I, I think I paid for three months. I got one month's lot. But the only, and the only difference I noticed was hair was a little bit nicer. Hair, a little bit, you know, it wasn't quite as thistle-down and, and dry and crispy as it, as it normally is. But now... So you cancelled the transplant. Well, cancelled the transplant, but now, of course, <laughs> um, I've had to, you know, because the, the supplements stopped coming. So now I feel like all my hair is just going to fall out. Um, I say all. Why have they stopped coming? <laughs> I don't know. Just, you know, life... <laughs> Oh, okay. I mean, 20, 2021. You know, sending away for supplements, the rest of us are, got, are buying sort of automated vacuum cleaners, you know, those ones that zoom around your floor and cats sit on, um, and other such pointless things. But yeah. I like the fact that you're buying supplements. That's very good. Oh, I was listening earlier, just so you know. The weighted hula hoop. Oh, I knew, I knew you'd have a view. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Defo, yes to the weighted hula hoop. Really? Because... Yes. I mean, when we go swimming, which I haven't done for two weeks now because it's too rough, um, when we come out at the beach huts, uh, it's a good way of socially distancing as well. We have a, a little hula hoop session. There are several down at the beach huts. And um, the weighted ones, if you're not used to it, are very much easier to keep up. I don't know why it is. There's just, you know, once you get the weight on your side, it makes a great difference. And we all look marvellous hula hooping away in a swimming costume. Oh, I don't know. I was, I was told paddle boarding was going to be amazing for my core strength. Nothing happened. Didn't I'm you so... buy a paddle board? Or yes, something? I did. And I stood on it. Nothing happened. I mean, it moved. I went around a bit and I liked it. But Did uh... you actually stand up and manage to balance? Of course I did. Of course I stood up. Very yeah. Good. It's not Very that. I mean, good. I also, I, when I got, I asked what's an easy one. So my paddle board is about mm, 12 feet wide. <laughs> So it's it's like it's really like I'm standing on a raft. Yeah, you basically it. got a you built yourself a pier. Yes, <laughs> a little a pontoon. I take my I pontoon mean, your for core a trip. Strength, I have to say, which is what they're good for, paddle boards. You hold your tummy in and you can you know you paddle. But um, I remember once we did. I'm sure we've talked about this before, but what haven't we talked about before? Um, the Olympics at your house in Ireland. Oh yes, lots of people guests there, and that one of them was to do a core strength competition. And I'm here to tell the lady ladies and gentlemen of the Virgin Radio, that Graham Norton managed five minutes of core strength at the age of 73. I know. He did five minutes. And, and still no jab. <laughs> and still, yeah, exactly. Is your core strength just as good, Graham? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I think very soon it'll be a year since I stepped inside a gym. So, uh, yeah, probably. I'm guessing it's... got you you've got all your things at home, haven't you? You, uh, well, you I've got cycle a bike. to work. I've got a bike. All of that, you know, four minutes work on the bicycle to get to work. Yeah, you know, that, that's the thing. Like, I've halved my exercise routine. <laughs> oh, no, but I haven't, though, because I'm doing two days now. So it's probably about the same. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's about the same. Hey, Maria, you uh, go and uh, get yourself a letter uh, to read out because it's nearly time for Graham's Guide. Well, the post is just been, so oh, that... just as well. <laughs> that was good timing. Very good timing. Dolly's delighted. <laughs> Virgin Radio. Graham's Guide. Off you go. OK, this one is... Um, I think people are starting to write us pitches for novels, but there you are. Um, I'm going to continue with the whole thing. Dear Graham and Maria... 
My son was in a relationship for 12 years, through high school, attending separate universities and finally a marriage. His wife, Laura, not her real name, lived with us for a significant amount of time because her home life was not the best. Then they lived together for four years before marrying. The marriage lasted less than a year. Laura cheated and my son and family were left shocked and devastated. We offered love and support when things went wrong and she lied to my face by saying she wanted to work at the marriage when in reality she already had the key to another flat in her pocket. I adore my son and tried to support him in any way we could. Tried to support him, yeah. Uh, including acceding to his insistence that we did not confront her in any way. It's now four years on and my son is healed and ready to look forward. My dilemma is that I can't get Laura out of my head or heart. I loved her like a daughter, and although my feelings still range from rage to sadness, the feelings are there, and I don't know how to get past this. It's not possible to contact her, and I wouldn't anyway, as she left us with a, without a backward glance. But it's hurting so badly, and I need help on how to get over this. And that is from Hannah in Glasgow. Hannah in Glasgow, thank you for your letter. And, you know, I'm very sad for you and indeed your son, but this was four years ago, Hannah. He's already, you know, healed and ready to move forward. I'm surprised, frankly, that he hasn't already had um, girls and you know, uh, hurtling towards him. But uh, how do you get over it? Well, I think because you're in grief, Hannah, you were denied the chance, and you're quite right not to get involved, to actually have anything to say to Laura when this took place, because your son didn't want that to happen. And also, she was in your life for 12 years. That is a form of grief. And you have to get over this, because it's going to eat you up if you don't. So I'm suggesting that you... Sit down and you either email or write her a letter. I know you, there's no contact, but you write down all your feelings that you felt at the time and how you actually miss her because she is still in your heart and you do did love her like a daughter. Uh, so write down all your feelings about, you know, how you can't sort of let, let go and you feel you must, but she was in your life for so long and how could she do that or whatever you need to say. And of course, you're not going to send it because you don't have anywhere to send it. But you will have committed this to paper or computer or whatever medium you use. And somehow that process gets it out of your head by formulating the thoughts in your mind as to what you want to say. You may not want to say very much to her at all. You may want to tell her you're disappointed. You may want to rage. But you're not going to send this letter. It's just a process for you. Because four years... It's too long to be carrying this around and, you know, your your son will bring someone else home and you'll start comparing her to Laura and you don't want to do that. You don't want to keep harking back to something that was a long time ago. And she was young, she made a mistake and perhaps because they'd been together for so long she suddenly got married and thought, wait, I've, you know, I, I've t shut myself out of the sweet shop now forever by getting married. So, you know... Everybody is fallible. What do you think, Graham? Well, I certainly understand what Hannah's going through because this woman was a huge part of their lives. And, you know, they, she lived with them. She, they took her in. It sounds like they took her in as a schoolgirl and, yeah. and, and helped her. So I totally understand it, Hannah. But you've now... But you don't have a choice now. You've got to get over this. That's, you know, because right. I think for the last four years, what you've done is you've allowed yourself to indulge 
in the grief, in the sadness, in the anger. And you've got to trick yourself out of it. And I think, you know, in any breakup, we all go through this thing where actually, if you, you know that thing, oh, I can't stop thinking about them. You can. Because when you start thinking about them, make a deliberate effort to stop. Just think about something else. Pick up a book, uh, you know, you know, make some toast, do something, distract yourself. You have to trick yourself out of these bad habits because it is a habit where you allow yourself to kind of have these imaginary conversations with Laura where you tell her what you think, all the stuff you never got to tell her. And maybe Maria's right, that letter will help. But at the same time, I kind of think it might just extend this and 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 all that stuff will just be going around in your head over and over again. I think you've just... It's, it's been going around in her head anyway. Yes, no, but I think <clears throat> but the, the trick is to to trick yourself out of it. To every time you find yourself, if you're in bed and you, you start thinking about her and what went wrong and an imaginary conversation, stop it. You know, read a book, uh, think about something else. But you, it, but, but, it, but it's very hard. You, know, you do have to deliberately do it. But it's a, I, I, it, I think it, it, there is a way of you have to force yourself to stop thinking about somebody, and then there will be a time, Hannah. In you know, I don't know how I, it'll take a while, but there will be a time when you'll suddenly find a photograph of Laura somewhere, and you think, oh God, Laura, I haven't thought about her in ages. Uh, you know, because my son is so happy now with his new part person and life's gone on and God, Laura, I wonder what's happened to her. And so imagine, you know, you know, because Hannah's not a child. Hannah, you know you're going to get there. You know you will, but you've got to help yourself because... It, but I, think, I think what you're suggesting is good, Graham, but it is very hard because, you know, your thoughts are your thoughts and they, they invade you at the worst times when you're feeling vulnerable or sad or depressed. So... I would also try and do, if you're not going to write a letter or if you're going to adopt Graham's approach of um, eliminating her, when she does pop into your head, try and think about things from her side. Try and think, I hope Laura is happy. She did a very bad thing and a lot of people were hurt, but she was young and I'm sure she's very sad now that she did that thing. And, you know, try and think positively about Laura because to carry around loathing and hatred is really damaging to you. And so if you can try and spin it when you're trying to think, I'm not going to let her into my thoughts, but if I do, I will try and think positive thing. Yes, you should they, certainly you, know, you should certainly forgive her. You need to find a way in your head of forgiving her and you you don't get to tell her that and you know in a way that's good cuz Laura can spend the rest of her life thinking you all hate her. But in your head you've got to forgive her because otherwise yeah Maria's right it will just it's kind of fester in your in your brain and in your heart. So forgive her, I would say. Dan and Cruz says I guess your son doesn't want to talk about it if he's already processed this. But is there anyone else you trust enough to unpack this with? It sounds like you've been hit very hard by the betrayal on a personal level, as well as on behalf of your son. And that's the problem. Is It's not just your son is married to this person. You have a relationship with this person. Uh, Christine in Suffolk is kind of the other woman. I know how Hannah feels. I was married for 20 years. I had two children and my ex-in-laws stayed in touch. But the ex made it so difficult we had to cut contact. Uh, I think you just have to think of it as the past and move on. It might be worth going to a therapist to talk things through and get it off your mind. Uh, This is Helen in Cumbria. I mean, you're right. A a therapist would help. Even like, I mean, it's almost like grief counselling, isn't it? Uh, She says, better help is a good app if you want to start virtually. 
the practical advice. Thank you very much, Helen. Terry in London, it's like a breakup. You'll forget eventually. You just have to start the process of healing in the same way. Um, Bunty in Cheadle. Uh, rage is the toxic emotion which you will pass on to your son if you don't deal with it. And this is very disempowering for him. Forgive, move on. And remember, you have to let your son go. Let him deal with his own emotions. In other words, let him off the perch. You can do it. Okay. Hannah and her son were far too young to commit. Oh, excuse me, the son was far too young to commit. And she probably was very fond of you and couldn't confess to you what she was up to. So she had a clean break. Sounds like your son understood Laura. So ask you not to judge her. So don't. And be happy that you could help a young damaged girl. And by the sounds of it, your son dodged a bullet. Wouldn't it be far worse if children were involved? I always think that in these things because then you're together forever. Uh, so get over it. Your son has. And remember the good times. Thank you, Maria and Cheltenham. Uh, Jerry in Manchester. Agree with Maria. Write a letter. Get the feelings out. One step further is burn it. Watch and feel the release. Safely, of course, in brackets, safely. Yes, don't burn your house down as part of the healing process. That would be, uh, I feel, a retrograde step. Um, sounds like she's been holding on to her own grief for the sake of supporting her son. And now he's moving on. She's ready to grieve the loss herself. Maria's suggestion of the letter is a good one. Allow all the thoughts and feelings to be expressed. And know that your thoughts aren't real because you can't know what's going on in someone else's head. By allowing herself to grieve, which is crucial, she'll give herself the chance to find some peace in her heart and acknowledge the love she felt and feels for this girl. It won't be an overnight process, but it will get easier, Jane Wales. When in Belfast says, if she contacts former daughter-in-law, is she prepared for what she discovers? It sounds suspicious that her son was so insistent on her mom not contacting Laura in any way at the time. What's the story behind that? We don't know. And uh, Jane Winchester just says forgive and forget okay Graham's guide. Uh, second letter please yes here we go <clears throat> graham and maria i'm stuck oh yeah i swiped right on a guy from the u.s on tinder when i was on a trip before the pandemic and by the time we matched i was home to be polite i replied to say mm, sorry i missed him However, we started some infrequent texting back and forth. He was going through a hard time with bereavement, so I kept up the conversation. But for me, it was nothing romantic. Unfortunately, this has now been going on for over a year, and I don't know how to stop it. He is a nice guy, and we've exchanged lots of details about our lives, etc. But for me, it's a friendship at the very most, and I sort of want to escape. He sent gifts in the post a couple of times, which was sort of my fault, as I originally sent him a bereavement card when his dad died. So I sort of feel like I opened up another form of communication. I never initiate messages, but he asks lots of questions, so I feel like I have to reply. I know I've sent mixed signals. How do I unmix them without being really rude? I don't have the heart to say anything. And that is from Amy in Ireland. Oh, Amy in Ireland, I so want to read your history of the emails you have sent because you say you've sent mixed signals. Basically, you know, you never met this guy. You only saw him and you liked him enough to swipe right on him on Tinder. So it was obviously the contents of his emails and texts that made you go, meh, no, not for me. This is just a friendship. I mean, it's hard to tell. You don't know until you're in front of someone and you see if there's any chemistry. But you know, you've obviously made that decision. So 
You have sent mixed signals, perhaps, but then so has he. How do you unmix them? I mean, you, you, you don't know that he wants a relationship either. Maybe he's just enjoying having someone to correspond with. So I'm going to suggest that you, uh, in amongst your, you know, this happened and that happened and chitty chatty emails, you say, oh, and I've met someone. It's early days, blah, 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 and uh, I'm not sure how it'll pan out, but I'm quite excited. So you kind of let yourself off the hook and him off the hook, and, you're, you know, I've really enjoyed our chats, blah, blah. It's no reason they should stop, because as you say, you are just inverted commas friends, and how can it be anything else? He's in America, you're here in Ireland. And so <laughs> I think, <laughs> sorry, I think maybe you should... Just tell him, just let, you know, slip in an email exchange that there is someone on the horizon for you because your relationship was never going to work anyway. He's in America, you're in Ireland. Uh, so I think then if he is interested, his emails will suddenly dwindle away to nothing. And then you'll be sorry, Amy in Ireland. You'll go, oh, where's my friend in America? Um, what do you think, Graham? Well, I think, you know, she swiped right, da-da-da, all very, you know, flirty, blah-blah. But, of course, he opened with bereavement, which is not hot. So uh, you can see why, it, you know, in her head, it turned to friendship very fast. Because, But equally, you know, you can see why she kept texting him because... Uh, you know, he's, he's going through a horrible time. So Amy was being nice. Now it's a year later. It's no longer nice. Now it's, it is, you are kind of messing with his head because somehow he thinks you're out there and you, it's something's possible when you know it's not. So either you, I mean, you could, I mean, I, I, this isn't very good about I mean, you could just get rid of him. You could just kind of stop it because I don't... No, don't I, ghost I, him. Well, because I think the Tinder thing won't go... I don't think you can make your, you know, how many miles do you want to... Th I don't think you can get from New York to Ireland on a Tinder radius thing. So he'll never... He won't know whether you're there or not. So you could just say you've met someone else and then just get I rid think, of him. I think, unfortunately, Amy, you um, were speaking to him when he was in a very vulnerable place, as Graham rightly said. He was talking to you about bereavement and you know that's not particularly sexy but uh that's what he was going through and anybody who is kind to you when you're in a dark place it takes on greater import somehow so you know it might be that you are just friends you just have to kind of raise this to say and i think the, the kindest way of doing it is not to ghost him, as Graham said, heartless, heartless. Um, but to do, <laughs> I didn't think she should just, do that. I'm just saying she could. It's yeah, it's she possible could, but I, no, without repercussions. That's never good. That's never good, especially as you know you were kind to him, and then suddenly you're stopping all communication. You know, there's nothing wrong with carrying on a friendship with somebody who was in a place of need and now isn't quite so much. Perhaps he's getting a little stronger, but you can have, a, you know, occasional emails. You know a lot about each other, but you just need to, to, to sort of let him know that there's someone else in the frame or this isn't going anywhere, largely because of, you know, geographically it can't go anywhere, but also tell him that this is not how you see him. And by letting him in, or you don't need to go into great detail about the new person, you know, that he's really hot and buff and <laughs> really clever and so kind. Just say there's somebody uh, on the cards that I'm very interested in and I think we have a good chemistry. So I'm quite excited. What about you? Anything going on in your life romantically? You know, you just, 
ease it in in that way? Well, I would just say I'm. Uh, oh, of course, we know because he's already got her address. I mean, yes, oh, oh Amy, Amy. She didn't Amy. need to put her, her. She didn't need to put her address on the bereavement card. Is what I'm thinking. So she's got gifts from him, which you yeah. know. It's quite easy to have a little fantasy about somebody when they're not there, you've never met them, you build something up in your head. But I don't know without seeing the contents of the email, quite nosy me. Or, uh, or what the gifts are, that's what I'd like to know. Or what the gifts are, yes. If they're sexy lingerie, then this is bad. Yeah, it is very bad. That's. <laughs> I mean, keep them, Amy. But... Uh... <laughs> But yeah, I, oh, I, I yes, I, I think the, the trouble is it, it's quite quick and easy to get out of the situation. But uh, but you are going to, you know, he won't be thrilled is what I'm saying. Cause you well, have... all she's changing is the dynamic of this relationship. She likes him as a friend. He likes her as a friend. You know, there are there haven't been, I hope, Amy in Ireland, requests for pictures and all of the other things that people do. Not Amy in Ireland, please. Not Amy in Ireland. No, no. not in Ireland. No, uh, she sent a bereavement card, please. <laughs> <laughs> and here's something to cheer you up. Picture <laughs> Stop it. Uh, so, you know, all you're doing is changing the dynamic of the emails and putting it on a firm footing. We are friends. And then you'll have a few more emails as friends and then it will dwindle away because he obviously wants something more. So just introduce something gently that is going to let you off the hook. It's much better than ghosting him. It's much better than being harsh. Uh, you can do this, Amy. <laughs> I'm starting with Bunty and Jeedle. Bunty and Jeedle, this is all you need to know. Amy and Arnold, I really hope you're listening to this. Amy Bontigil says, have you been emotionally guilt-tripped all your life? If so, you need to remind yourself that other people's feelings are not your responsibility or to be more brutal, none of your business. Set him free by sending him a kind, carefully worded, but firm message. Flip it. If it was him on the other end of this unrequited infatuation, do you think he would fret over it? I doubt it. You did a kind, kind thing. Now let the guilt go. That's all you need to know. That is all you need to know. Um, uh, I think you need to ghost him to stop replying and disappear off the face of the earth. Jenna in Newcastle. I know people think ghosting is bad. I'm a big fan of it uh, because there's no good way. There's no good way to dump. No one's going to be thrilled to be dumped. So might as well make it easy for yourself. Uh, Because, you know. Yeah, because when you talk to people, they've got to go, oh, I can't believe he dumped me over text or I can't believe he, he met me in a cafe to dump me because I couldn't make a fast. You know, unless he's willing to let you kind of hit him with a car, um, really, the dumping will never be, you know, it'll never be good enough. I, you know, because essentially they dumped you. Danielle in London. It sounds like he's quite lonely, but you're across the pond. I know it's a lockdown, but I think he needs to look for friends a little closer to home, do you think? Uh, Tom in Bristol. Uh, be very upfront about it. Doesn't even sound like you particularly want to be his friend. Just that you feel obliged to be nice. Depending on how he reacts, we'll tell you whether or not you should continue the friendship. Oh, and also you might need to move. Uh, that is the other uh, key thing there. <laughs> uh, and finally, uh, Amy in Ireland, you should say that you're now in a relationship and her partner feels threatened by their friendship. Sorry, no more contact. Okay. The Graham Norton Radio Show. Virgin Radio. Rose Matafeo. Hello, Rose. Hi. <laughs> Hi. What an introduction. I, I thank you so much for that. That was wonderful. <laughs> I, know, I nearly Rose, called you... Well, no, that. I nearly called you Rosé. <laughs> I think I'm obsessed by wine. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, in my head, I was thinking, hmm, Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, no, Rosé. 
I wouldn't have minded that. I honestly wouldn't have minded it. Uh, Rose Matafeo, I'll say your name a lot now that I know it. Thank uh, you. I am a fan. I'm a new fan, but I'm a fan. Oh. Horn Dog, oh. the Horn Dog, the special. It's available on BBC Three iPlayer from very specific 10:45 p.m. on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> that's the. I think that's when it's going out on on uh, on the actual television. If anyone can remember what that is, um, I think it's on iPlayer from Sunday. But then I saw somewhere it was from six a.m. I'm like, who's getting up at six a.m. to run to iPlayer to watch a comedy special? But I don't know. Some people get their kicks in interesting ways. Yeah, they yeah, can. No, it's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all right. A little comedy special in the morning. Yes, no, it's very exciting, though. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm so thrilled it's finally out there. I, 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 I filmed it so so long ago, around this time last year. Um, and uh, so, yeah, a lot, is, a lot has changed, I'd say. <laughs> Things have happened. Things, have, but, Things but, have happened. But what's interesting is I think that what you're talking about hasn't mm-hmm. changed. I mean, because uh, you, you, you do a little bit at the beginning about kind of, you know, Horndog suggests it's going to be quite... Mm-hmm out there and sort of sexual stuff but actually it's much sweeter than that isn't it yeah it's a lot sweeter it, it really once you get into it it kind of is basically i use the word horny to describe a more emotional horniness i think is very um specific to me as pisces uh, and obviously it's pisces season so it's perfect timing <laughs> to be coming out um it, it, yeah and i think it's a particular type of um, emotional horniness I, I think I really possessed as a teenager and I think it's it's something that unfortunately doesn't go away I am an adult I'm a card carrying adult now and it still hasn't gone away that that feeling of throwing yourself into things obsessing over things and um, yeah that's basically what I kind of mean when I use the word horny in the, in the show but you know I, I, I imagine that a lot of people are going to go into it expecting something else and then you know, c- coming out emotionally touched, you know? Uh, because it is. <laughs> and also the other thing I would say, so, you know, because I watch it a lot. I mm. like stand-up. I watch a lot of specials. And often it is just someone yeah. at a mic uh, telling jokes. Yeah. But what you've done is you've really shaped that hour and it's got production, it's got clips, it's got, you know, it's it's a show. You've put on a show. Yeah, I, it, it's a it's a bit of a nerdy thing. I've done, because I've, I've, yeah, that's what all my shows have been, I think, ever since I started. I started relatively young and and I, I they've always been kind of mixtures of you know multimedia and slideshows and songs and music and dancing it's really just like a one person talent quest I put on for people and expect them to pay um, but it, it, it is it really reflects like I when I was younger I used to make PowerPoint presentations um, that were like choose your own adventure PowerPoint presentations that's very much the energy uh, of my comedy shows it's <laughs> really not changed but, but yeah now, I hope people enjoy it yeah no I, honestly I really really yeah. enjoyed it I thought it was oh, great so great uh, <laughs> uh, do you know what you have I mean this is one of the this isn't a question this is me just now mm-hmm. talking about you but uh, you have that kind of Lena Dunham thing where you are the thing and yet you're able to laugh at it, why not what you like you don't stop being a woman in her 20s yeah. and yet you're able to laugh about what it's like to be a woman in her 20s it's really clever yeah. i don't know how you do that but anyway like i say it's I not think a it's question hyper, hyper self-awareness <laughs> isn't it, it it's, it's you know what it's hyper self-awareness but with no intention to change your damaging behavior <laughs> and personality traits and that is a real it's a great thing to have as a stand-up comedian and i think so many stand-ups do it you know when you go on stage and you go these are all the things that are wrong about me and i will do nothing to change them because it's all of my material thank you very much good night so, and, uh, <laughs> and you talk about starting young so you you grew up in New Zealand so presumably you started yes. performing in New Zealand 
Yes, I did. Yes, when I was about 15 years old, I started doing open mic nights and, uh, and yeah, started doing hour-long shows, I think, the year after that when I was about 16. So, yeah, and it's so, it's, I mean, I really, when I moved to, to the UK, I really tried to hide my past almost like you know an mgm style like trying to start afresh you know in a new in a new city uh and just sort of i have no idea i have never done comedy in my life but i have been doing it for about 10 10 or 12 years so uh yeah it's it's been strange and i still i've only recently just been com become confident enough to say it's my job do you know what i mean like saying you're a comedian is such a confident thing that often people really um cha challenge like if you were to say you're a plumber people don't really challenge it but then when you say you're a comedian and you earn all your money from doing comedy people are still like are you really it's yeah. like, oh okay but yeah no it's been it's been great and of course when you got here you must have been you know so shall we offer you to everyone back in new zealand look at the west end i'm going clubbing <laughs> look at me shopping now how the tables have turned <laughs> oh how the tables have turned oh my gosh i mean the the speed at which i muted every single one of my new zealand family family members and friends uh since this this most recent lockdown even my nan she's got the cut man she's i'm just like man i don't want to see pictures of the lawn i don't want to see pictures of your freedom i love you to death but you know it is it is a bizarre situation to be in, uh, in london at a time like this when i i'm legally allowed to return to new zealand but you know yeah, that's, that'll that's be a while. Because what are you doing? You're working on a, a thing for HBO at the moment. Is that right? Yes. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, yeah, um, uh, sitcom, my sitcom Starstruck, which is BBC and HBO Max. Um, uh, uh, yeah, it's a basically a sitcom. We actually finished, we finished, we filmed it last year, like later, uh, like around October or September last year. And it's all kind of finished now. It's coming out later on this year, which is quite bizarre and I've, I've said I've, I've had a suspiciously busy year I think with with this coming out and then the show coming out amidst a global pandemic it's very odd but no it's very exciting it's a rom-com called Starstruck that's coming out and um yeah I'm in it apparently and it's it's gonna I'm really bad at selling my own ideas but, I never but, but that's so I mean honestly Rose that's fantastic mm. that's just brilliant oh that's so sweet I oh mean, gosh that means a lot <laughs> well no I mean you know that's an extraordinary you know you should be really proud of yourself because oh, this like I say this hour is great you could see that you have that kind of um that writer's gene of being able to to do an arc so are these half hours or hours or how does it work they're half hours yeah six half yeah. hour reps and um it's sort of it almost plays as like a a, 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 a rom-com film over the course of six episodes basically i mean i just i am i am basic i love just really nice rom-coms that make you feel nice and so much amazing stuff has come out this year but like i really do th i f i feel like it's time for something that's just nice to watch and it's, escape into. And, and mostly it's time for something with you in it. It's time. <laughs> I feel yes. like it's time that I was a star. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think really the world's ready for a leading lady like yeah. myself. Yeah, this pandemic has taught me one thing. It's what the world needs. Yeah. Uh, well, tell me this. When you were 15 and you were starting out, mm. I mean, did you tell people you were 15? Did the other comics kind of freak out that there was a oh, child Graham, in the dressing room? I think they knew I was 15. I <laughs> had braces i had acne still had the curly hair i have i would often wear sweater vests on stage like there was no there was you couldn't have you couldn't have picked a, a person who looked more 15 than me and it was and i talked about it as well because that's what's bizarre about doing stand-up at that age is because you know I, I did observational comedy 
What are, what are your observations about when you're... You, literally nothing has happened to you. You're 15 years old. You're a, you're a nerd. Also, it's not like I was an interesting teenager. I was a nerd. So it was it was it was utterly bizarre. I think um, I think it created some sort of a, a, a sort of I think self-deprecating persona that has has persisted throughout my career, which is um, show you know it's this kind of fronting is like having a lack of confidence, but actually knowing what I'm what, in, what I'm doing and um, people being surprised by that. Has as any joke as any joke um, kind of uh, lasted the the test of time. Uh, since yeah, then it's one of them is in the show it's bizarre actually i i put in a joke in horndog that i had written um uh like i have all of these google documents and and, and stuff of, of i joke ideas since i started and there was always this joke idea that i had that i never finished and it's in the show which is the idea of um measuring some like the confidence of measuring something with your the two index fingers and then traveling with that measurement to the other side of a room and 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 at all but and i genuinely wrote that when i was 16 but i could never find like a punchline to it and then i found it i found it like last year in in an old doc and i was like that's actually funny and i don't need a punchline for it I'm just going to do it, and it's and it yeah, and it fit into the show. And it is, it's so, really yeah. funny. It's very funny. Yeah. yeah, but that's what's so sad is that I honestly I, I look back on those those documents and I'm like I was a much funnier writer back then when my, I still had a heart. You know what I mean? Like I was a teenager. I believed in joy and and the excitement of the world, and now I'm this hardened 28 year old wench who just yeah can't write any material. <laughs> it is funny. You you should check. I, I'm sure online. Maybe you've seen them. Uh, Seth Rogen mm-hmm. was the similar thing he was a child yeah. stand up as well and he would oh, go to oh proper gosh. you know in vancouver and so i think it was vancouver i think and uh, he would go to stand up comedy clubs and do his act about you know funny food his grandparents made him eat i know but it's so weird uh rose but we've got to go but it's been lovely talking mm-hmm. to you uh horn dog oh, horn dog is the name of the special it's available mm-hmm. on bb oh no that's the wrong thing it's available on uh, bbc <laughs> one 10 45 on wednesday and then you can catch it on BBC Three iPlayer from uh, tomorrow. And good luck with the um, with the rom com. Uh, Thank you. That's called Starstruck, yeah. Starstruck. That's out later on this year. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much for being so lovely. And ch- I just I'm such a big fan of yours, and it's such a privilege to. Have well, I am now a fan of yours. I can't wait to see what you do next. So uh, lovely Thank to talk you. to you, Rose Butterfeo. Bye. 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 The Graham Norton Radio Show. Virgin Radio. James Buckley joins us now. Hi, James. Hello, Graham. Oh, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How, how are you doing? Well, I'm very I'm all the better for hearing you. Somebody's got a voiceover set up there. <laughs> well, you know, we're 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 all having to adapt. <laughs> You've adapted better than most. This sounds it sounds. I feel like I could roll over and see you on a pillow. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, <if> only. <laughs> so uh, zapped. So this was on Dave. That's correct. Yeah, it was on Dave, and now it's on BBC iPlayer. Which is kind of great that the, the people, you know, because it's one of the, presumably BBC wouldn't have got this, but now it, the weird times we're living in, content, 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 all three exactly. seasons, boom. So if people haven't seen it thus far, uh, tell us about Zapped. Who do you play? What happens? What is the sit in the sitcom? Okay, bear with me. So um, <laughs> basically the premise of Zapped is uh, an ordinary bloke who is has an office job. And he finds a strange uh, bracelet 
he puts it on and he gets zapped uh, to uh, into a comp- uh, another dimension or a parallel universe. I don't think we ever really nailed on what it exactly was. Um, but it's, it's basically a, like a traditional sort of sitcom set in a pub, but the pub is sort of in Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones, that sort of vibe. Yeah, there are kind of violent fairies and little dragons and things. It's Yeah. 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 And it, it because often in these things, you know, it, there are quite strict rules. Do you have strict rules about, like, what could happen in, in Munty or what couldn't happen in Munty? Well, that's it, really. There's there's lots of strange rules and laws and things that obviously that we would find quite bizarre. And um, obviously my character that I play, Brian, he discovers what those rules are probably in, in the wrong way um, by by breaking them in most episodes. And how many episodes are there now? If, if you, How many episodes can we binge on in three seasons? I think um, the the first season was three episodes and then the next two seasons were your traditional six episodes each and i'll let you do the maths (laughs) (laughs) i like the way you said i think it's like you're in them it was to be honest it's strange talking about it because it was quite a long time ago and um it's great that um that the bbc has picked it up and hopefully um a load of new people can discover it and watch it. Obviously, that's what we want. Yeah. Um, because it's, you know. I mean, and, and we should say, it's not just, it, I mean, you are worth the price of admission alone, but <laughs> it's also, you know, it's uh, Sharon Rooney, Paul Kay, Steve Coogan uh, crops up in various episodes, Sally Phillips in a Rufus Hound. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an amazing uh, group of people you've a gathered really, together. Yeah, really, really good cast. It was, uh, it was a, a really fun one to make. So are you still, is there plans for a season four or is it complete now? No, I don't think so. I mean, to be honest with you, I was told that it was uh, axed, as they say in the business, um, just because, you know, you, you you know how things work, Graham. If not enough people watch it, then they move you on and they go, you know, they sort of say, come on, we've given you enough chances. Um, but also it is, it's, it's, I think it was really funny. The episodes I've seen, I've really enjoyed. But I, I'm, I was watching it thinking, wow, for Dave, this must have been a really spendy show for them. Yeah, I think that was the problem. <laughs> I think that might have been the problem. Because of the concept, because of the costumes, the studios, the props, um, and obviously my fee was astronomical. Well, of course, you know, if so... you want James Buckley, you've got to pay James <laughs> Buckley money. Uh... Um, so, yeah, there's, you know, that's that's the business side of the industry. Yeah, and, well, in um... episode one, when a digital dragon came out of a thing, I thought, ooh, that's expensive. <laughs> That's yeah, not cheap. <laughs> it was ambitious. It was ambitious, and um, and it was fun and funny and silly and a bit weird. And um, hopefully, you know, more people can watch it now that it's it's readily available on iPlayer. And I don't know if you're like me at the moment. I think I've watched everything on television. I know. It, um, it is so like I'll, I'll it watch is like anything I, yeah. now. It is like I've completed Netflix. I've completed it now. Yeah. What should I do now? There's a lot out there. But it was just, it's just good, though. And also, it's great to find, you know, a British thing that people might not have seen before and they can binge that. And it may find a new audience. And who knows? Season four, you know, could be around the corner. It would be 
I, I wouldn't put any money on it, but, um, you know, stranger things have happened. And now the other thing, because it's odd the things that happened, you know, with uh, comedy performers in lockdown, they're looking for things to do and they've got to work with the people available. So you, like so many people, have now started working with your wife. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, yeah, I, li- I like the way husband and wives are now becoming double acts. <laughs> yeah, well, I like I quite like my wife. Well, that's and, good. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, we've sort of embarked on this this little vlogging YouTube channel that we're doing, and uh, it's it's fun to do. And you know, there's no point to it. It is ju- <laughs> it is just killing some time, um, and it feels creative. And uh, I'm enjoying doing it. Because how old are your children? They are seven and nine. So, uh, like, do you just go, "Mommy and Daddy are going into a quiet room now," uh, just or what happens to them when you're doing your vlogging? No, what? Yeah, and and that is a comment that comes up a lot on the videos. Is how do you keep your kids quiet, like while you're vlogging? It's it's just editing. It is just oh, um, okay. It is just you know, <laughs> we 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 will shoot. We'll turn the camera on for about half an hour, and hopefully for two minutes of that half an hour, you might be able to hear us talk, and that that's pretty much what that is. So you you cut out the crying, the screaming, the he took it off me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well done, you. I have to say, James, lots of nice comments about your vlog. People like your vlog. Oh, really? Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they seem to like it. I mean, it is just we we don't do anything. It, it's <laughs> you know, there's nothing to do at the moment. Do you do you save conversation? Does your wife say something? You go, no, 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 no. Vlog. We'll, we we must save this conversation for the vlog. Don't say something interesting now. <laughs> no, no, we don't put any thought into it at all whatsoever. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Because are you one of those people, do you generate work? I mean, I know you're a producer on this and you've been listed as a producer on other things. Do you kind of, you know, are you one of those guys who kind of, you know, comes up with ideas and goes into meetings and pitches and all that? Yeah, I've done loads of that. <laughs> Not much has stuck. Um, uh, yeah, I, you know, who doesn't think they're creative? We all think we've got ideas and stuff like that. Um, but people... Um, the problem is, is that when I do have meetings and pitch ideas and stuff... They're nice enough to make me think that maybe I do have good ideas, um, but obviously, you know, they don't follow through with them. But, um, <laughs> I, you know, maybe someone needs to just put me out of my misery and just go, look, come on. <laughs> just could you sit here and wait for the phone to ring? Because Yeah. <laughs> No, but I think it must be, I always think as an actor, it must be miserable just sitting around waiting. So I think you're, yeah, it's the right thing. You should go out and suggest. And, and also because, you know, you can, you have a sort of a name that can open a door. So you might as well walk through it. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it is nice that people will humour me. Um, but it's, uh, you know, at the same time, it's, it is what it is. You know, it's, it, it, the, any success that I've had so far is you know, just been down to luck probably. And uh, I don't mind sitting around waiting for the phone to... Re- it's it's not... Um, yeah, no, It's I'm, not my right to be an actor, I guess. It's a privilege. And, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to your TED Talk, James. It's really good. It's going to inspire a lot of people. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I'm a good motivational speaker. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to do something, but James talked me out of it. I... <laughs> No, but if you, you know, you should, you should follow. Basically, what I'm saying is follow through with ideas and things like that. That's what you're saying. I concur with you. <laughs> okay, great. Well, let's do a TED Talk together. It'll be, re- yeah. it'll be really good.
<laughs> how often? Well, I presume now, luckily, you, you don't meet anybody. But in, in, mm. in olden days, how often did you get people just coming up with in-betweenness quotes? Do people Because you're so recognisable. <laughs> I mean, and you haven't... Weirdly, although, you know, clearly, years and years and years have gone by, you kind of look the same. You haven't, you know... Mm. Which is a good thing, I guess. But I don't, so, I don't think you've seen me lately. <laughs> oh, have you? You aged? Has lockdown hit you hard? Um, no, just I think the kids, kids age you. They insta- <laughs> they rapidly age you instantly. So, are you liking going out now, wearing a mask, and thinking, "Ooh, no one will be shouting in between your quotes at me"? Um, I got, I got to be honest. I, I, it's not a, it's not a bad thing, is it? It's, you know, it does. Every time I, if I leave my house, someone will want to talk to me about the in-betweeners or mention the in-betweeners or something like that. And all they say is how great they thought the in-betweeners was and how good they thought I was in it. And that's not a bad way to live your life, really. It's it's quite pleasant. And, um, I, you know, you've got to remember all those people, they went out and bought cinema tickets and DVDs and things like that. So there's no harm in having a little chat with someone and you know, maybe brightening their day a little bit. Cause and also it is, it is that lovely lot. thing that it, it, that people felt that connection to it, that, that, you know, it meant something. They didn't just watch it, they loved it. It really meant something to them. Yeah, it was it was almost as if we belonged to, to them. Um, even now, people are like, and, and I, I can, I know this from the other boys as well. It, it's like people want to protect us. They want us, they, they like us. They want to see us happy and okay and things like that. And it's it's almost as if we're theirs. There's some, there's, there was something about that show that that became a part of them. Um, it's, it, it's difficult to explain, um, but it's, it's really special. And it's something that I still enjoy today. No, but and it, is true, it is something about those characters that you did, You they were so lovable and yet so useless that you did want to kind of step in and kind of okay, sit in this room just, just yeah yeah so people I, felt sorry for him i think was it was the was how it went do people i mean because it must be weird because people must kind of worry kind of like he's in charge of children what's what's going on you know just should we be yeah, worried that, that, <laughs> that is the thing that does confuse people like yeah, I'm in my thirties. I've got two kids. I'm married. I'm I'm not a seventeen-year-old schoolboy. But um, people won't accept that. People don't accept it at all. But it's fine. James is moving on. James is moving on. Uh, James Buckley. James Buckley stars in a Zapped. Uh, all three seasons are now available on BBC iPlayer. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for your beautiful microphone. <laughs> thank you, Graham. I do appreciate you giving it, me the time. No, it's better than this microphone. I think it's one of those weird things where the caller in sounds better than the, the actual broadcast. So uh, well done you. Congratulations. And we'll talk to you again, James. Take care of yourself. Thanks, mate. All, all the best. Right. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Soon, I'll be speaking to the marvellous Charlene McKenna about her role in BBC's Bloodlands. But first, Nicola Walker reveals a brand new crime investigation in series four of crime drama Unforgotten. Hello, Nicola. Hi. Hi, how are you? 
I'm really surprised that I've managed to connect with you. <laughs> no, you sound very good. You sound like you're in the hall of a public building. Sounds, uh, yeah, I am. It, yeah. it sounds like, yeah, I'll just step out. I'll just step out and make this call. Uh, no, it sounds very echoey. Mm, yeah. Someone's doing well. Someone's in a very large unfurnished house. Mm. Do you know what? I am. I mean, that is that is literally where I am. I'm in a very large flat in Glasgow because I'm actually, I'm working in Glasgow and I'm in, it's not my flat. And oh. you know those, you know, the ceilings in Glasgow are, they're, they're really high. So I'm sorry. It does sound really cavernous. Oh, what are you, what are you doing in Glasgow? Can you tell us? Um, yeah, I'm filming um, something um, called um, Annika, which is based on a, uh, a thing for Radio 4 that I've been doing for like seven years. Oh, wow. And now it's going to telly. Or, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Uh, well, let, let, OK, I've got overexcited. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's go back to tomorrow night on Forgotten, yes. series four. Um, I've seen episode one and it's, it is classic on Forgotten. It's, you know, body found, all these kind of weird stories. You're thinking, how will these ever be connected? Mm-hmm. Um, what can you tell us about it? Um, very little. Um, I've, I've, I've written down. I've written down here. It says, "It says Nicola, do not tell Graham who the killer slash killers is slash are. Do not tell Graham what happens at the end of episode one." But you've already seen episode one. I think that means I'm not allowed to talk about what happens at the end of episode one. You know, but, um, I'm not allowed. I've been told as well. I can't. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why they showed it to me, but <laughs> it's like, what was the point of that? And now also, now I'm like, what am I going to do tomorrow at nine o'clock? Because I've I've seen that already. Uh, yeah, and they're not dropping them all at the same time. I don't think. Um, so what I my character actually for the first time, Cassie's not around at I the know. beginning, which mm-hmm. I found really really weird because um, she's still struggling a little bit after Alex Jennings' last uh, series, and um, so she's at home, uh, and the team go in and find this find do do the classic body find um, without her. Uh, it's at a scrapyard. It's in a. It's in. A, they find a, a a body, a dismembered bob body, in a in a freezer, and that's where it begins. That's, mm-hmm. that's the beginning. And because I've got mine like a sieve. So at the end of the last season, is this to do with you leaving the file in the cafe and somebody getting? Is that <laughs> is that is that why you're upset or is it your dad? I can't, I, I can't believe you're bringing that up. I was so embarrassed <laughs> when when Chris Lang wrote that. I was. I was Oh, Chris, that's so embarrassing. But Cassie <laughs> leaves the file with all the important information in it. Um, yeah, she was having a bit of a difficult time. No, it was Alex Jennings. He, he's, his, his murderer last year was a very, he was a psychopath. And, um, and that, uh, I think that sort of broke Cassie. So she's been, she's been on, on leave. And I think a, a sort of a leave that she would like to be, she wants it permanent. Yeah. She's done. She's finished. She doesn't want to go back. But... She has to go back because if she doesn't complete, and it's a matter of like three months, three and a half months, if she doesn't um, complete her 30 years service, she will not get her full pension. And um, her father is getting worse rapidly and she knows she's gonna need money. So she's, the fir- this first episode sees Cassie going back, but she's, <laughs> she's going back and she's livid. She's yeah. going back. No, it's really good. It's a very kind of, uh, it, it's a, uh, in terms of the writing and for you, it must have been great to play that you're not yeah. just, you know, that, you, that you're playing two things at the same time. You weren't trying to solve the crime and also you're thinking, why am I here? <laughs> yeah, she's really angry with her bosses. She's re- yeah. And I was really shocked. The writing, I think, is so, so clever and beautiful around Peter Egan playing your father because mm. he's in that really cruel bit of sort of dementia where he can sort of get away with it but if yeah. people who know him and love him can see it yeah yeah exactly and also it's complicated for you know which i you know, think happens a lot as well that he he was living with with cassie after 
his wife and you know Cassie's mother died but he's made a new relationship and he's he's moved in with her and that is really difficult um for Cassie to cope with as well because she feels that she's being pushed out um so that that that's going on too um she, yeah she was always the one you know that she imagined she would be the one that would take care of her father but she she's uh, she's been pushed out by Jenny and in terms of the filming of this so when did you do you film this in 2019 or did you film it last year um, we filmed, oh God, I can't remember, we're, we're in 2021 now, aren't we? I'm yeah. losing track of years. Um, we filmed it, we filmed it last year. So we started last year um, in sort of January, uh, late January, I think. And um, it was, we were, it, it was all going brilliantly. And then, um, and then. What um, happened? Co- what happened, Nicola? Well, there was something that happened. Um, we had to stop. I don't oh, okay. understand why. Right. And, now, yeah, and yeah. now when I go to work, I have to wear a mask all day. I don't know what's happening. Um, so then we managed, though, to get back up. And we only had five more weeks to shoot. Um, and so we managed to get back up and running at the end of, towards the end of last year and got the five weeks done. And it, the, most of that stuff brilliantly was um, on the set in the police station, which was far more manageable. You know, we could, the co- we could cope with the COVID protocols really quite well in, in that space. So, so we, got, we got it done, which we were all shocked by, really. It is amazing how kind of the, the filming industry has kind of rolled with the punches and got it. I mean, it's kind of incredible that things are still getting made, even with all the restrictions. It is. And and um, I think the first day, the first day of walking onto, you know, this, this set that we all know really, really well, I, you know, I was really nervous, but the, the, everything that was put in place, by the end of the day, you felt that you were, you know, the, the best was being done to, to take care of everybody. It, it, it makes the working environment, and you've spoken to lots of actors about this, but it does make the working environment very, very peculiar. Um, and uh, I think in particular for everybody, the mask, which is on constantly, apart from when you, you are at, you know, between action and cut, but the mask brings up quite particular problems for um, acting in that when you do the rehearsal, you know, you're doing it with a mask on and it's quite hard to uh, judge your performance when you're all, you only really get one go at it on the take. You get a technical run and then the take, and that, that's your go at it. So that, that, that's very strange. But, uh, and the sort of the interview table. So normally, you know, the interview table is, is what it is. We went in and then suddenly there's this massive interview table <laughs> because <laughs> you've got to be socially distanced. But, but really, as, as an industry, I think it's, I think it's doing yeah. remarkably well. You feel sorry for cameramen because they have that, you know, that thing that was steaming yeah. up the viewfinder with their mask. <laughs> yeah, then, then... yeah, they they look like they've walked off the set of Star Wars, and they they're wearing goggles and visors and every, everything, everything. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, listen. Thank you very much for joining us today, and good luck with the rest of uh, Annika. How much longer do you have up there? Uh, six more weeks. Oh, okay. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah, all going well. Six more weeks. Oh wow! I just, I just see you drifting like a ghost around your large, <laughs> large mansion flat. I might, I might go in the other bedroom today just to Ooh! celebrate. I might go and have a look at it because they, because they thought that maybe my family could come and visit me, but they're in lockdown and I'm in lockdown, so, so that's, it's an that, unused that's room. not happening. <laughs> no. Echo, echo, echo. Yes. yes. <laughs> all right. Series four of Unforgotten starts tomorrow night at nine o'clock on ITV. Thank you so much, Nicola Walker. It's Bye. Lovely to talk to you. Lovely to talk to you. Take care. Bye. The Graham Norton Radio Show. Virgin Radio. Hi, Liz Charlene. How are you? Hello, Graham. Good afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) I'm putting on my phone voice because I'm on the radio. Oh, you are? Where where are you, Charlene? (laughs) I'm in Manchester at the minute. 
Oh right. Uh, filming. I'm filming. We're doing Peaky Blinders six. So I'm in. I'm. I'm. I'm huddled up in a hotel room in Manchester. Oh, very good. Oh, well, I'm sure we'll talk about that in in a bit. But let's uh, start with Bloodlands tonight. Yeah. So, uh, so do because this is written by. It's a first time writer. How lucky is he? How lucky are you? I know. I, I know. Chris Brandon is his name. Um, but mm-hmm. Je- but the big name is Jed Mercurio. So did you get mm. the call from Jed Mercurio? No, I got the call from Jimmy Nesbitt. Uh, I had worked with Jimmy before and he have, obviously he got the call from Jed. He got the scripts and he rang me and said, there's this show, there's these scripts, they're amazing. Get your agent on it. This is what it's called, blah, blah. And then it went from there. So, And then we got the call to say I got the part and then... The crack was mighty, and it's all set. <laughs> it's all set in Northern Ireland. Um, yeah, I, I talked to Jimmy about this, and I mean, yeah, it, like Northern Ireland is one of the stars of this show. I mean, yeah. it just looks gorgeous. Very much so. Uh, we had a wonderful Scandinavian um, DP who really added that that lovely Irish noir Scandinavian look, and and that made the. I mean, the sweeping. You know the, the landscapes of all around Strangford Lock, and then you're plunged into bustling, busy Belfast, and I think it it really adds a, just a brilliant backdrop for us to tell the story from. And you play Neve McGovern, and she is mm-hmm. a detective who's sort of like she's like the audience. She's kind of yes. on picking the story at the same time we are. Yes, kind of. We yeah, Miranda Sawyer from the BFI actually said that, and I was like, "You've just nailed it." She was like, "She was like, I felt like Neve was asking all the questions that I wanted to ask," and I was like, "Totally, that's how I felt when I read it." Because she's Neve's not afraid to pull up the thread and just call a spade a spade and just ask what needs to be asked. She's like, "What are you talking about?" So I love that about her. Yeah, because you're. I mean, because even Jimmy's character has secrets. I mean, everyone mm. has secrets. You're the one who's kind of yeah. You're kind of laser beam through it all. I'm a bit less morally conflicted, I think, than some of the other ones. So yeah. And what isn't it funny how things like this happen? Where you know this must have been in planning for ages, but mm. suddenly the Good Friday Agreement is in the news again, and mm-hmm. all of that. And then, but th- this drama kind of hinges on that, and hinges on the extraordinary lengths that people had to go to in order to get that agreement across the line. Yeah, it's so timely, you know. And I, throughout the process of doing press. That's, you know, come up about how little sometimes some of the the rest of the United Kingdom really know about what the, you know, the details of what went on in Northern Ireland and the backstory to it. So we're not focused in it, but we definitely, our story is, you know, it's it's rooted in the legacy of the trouble. So it's it's so timely with Brexit and with everything that these conversations are happening and now the show is coming out. And also that thing, I mean, you're from Monaghan. I mean, you know that mm-hmm. it's it's all those things in Ireland are just below the surface. I mean, people have moved yeah. on, but they have, I mean, yeah. they can't forget because it's it's kind of a first generation thing. Yeah, the wounds, I mean, the wounds are very, they run very deep and they're still fresh under the surface. And I think, you know, I, I think the majority of people are so happy to have peace and it is so, it's so great. I think how Chris, you know, in the story has, has, walk that gauntlet of justice versus peace and, and makes you think about that yourself. And, it, and and I, you know, I don't have the answer because I want peace. But, you know, if I was personally affected, I would want justice. So it's it's a really interesting tightrope to walk in the show and for the audience, I think, to think about what would they feel? What would they say? What would they, what would they do, you know? And how many episodes are there? Four. Four and it's four, and uh, is it is this? Uh, do they do a big drop on iPlayer or is it once a week? I'm not 
you know, I'm not sure. I think it's what they call event television. Oh, yeah. I think it's once a week. I think you have to wait and get your, you know, get your drink made, get the kettle on and sit down and behave yourself once a week for an hour. I think it's that kind of TV. There's no pausing. Don't be acting the maggot. And, uh, or you could wait a month and then just watch it all together. Yes. But, yeah, uh, you could. And because these are great characters, do, is there any possibility they could return or is this it? It is a story told, fully told. No, the story it has definitely gives you some resolution so you're not totally frustrated, but it doesn't give you the entire resolution. So there's definitely room for more. I know, speak for myself, and I know Jimmy, we've talked about, we'd love to come back, but you, you know, you never know. The, the audience have to like it. So, but yes, there's somewhat semi-resolution and semi-cliffhanger. Well, you know, if you're in it, the chances are a return because you seem to have a, a an eye for the hit. I mean, Ripper Street <laughs> and Peaky Blinders. Is that just luck that you chose things that became very successful? Or yeah. is it you? Is it you? It's just me. I'm amazing. <laughs> uh, no, I don't know. It's Yeah, it's uh, the stars aligning for you and luck and maybe a bit of good taste I don't know but you just sort of know what you're drawn to and what feels good and and thankfully it seems to be a unanimous decision then when they come out so hopefully that continues Talking of seizing the day Charlene apparently uh, congratulations are in order Yes yes I seized the day and I got married Woohoo but like really recently like what Yeah at the very start of January we waited long enough and we were like oh come on just get on with it now (laughs) that's enough (laughs) I can't plan any more fantasy fake weddings. I was like, no, we're done, we're done, we're done. Let's but you go. got married in a castle. At least the, the venue was big. Well, Graham, I'm a princess. <laughs> I know, I mean, yes, I, the, the venue was huge and there was nobody in it. We could have kicked football through it. <laughs> <laughs> Did, I mean, and like, so are there just gorgeous pictures that will live forever? Are you all dressed up like a princess in the castle? I'm I'm in my beautiful Natalie B. Coleman uh, wedding dress. Yes, we we did dress up for the occasion. We thought we'd have a bath and you know make an effort, and we had we. It was so special. I'm really glad we decided to do it because uh, it was just it was just really private and poetic and kind of magical and secret. You know, it would it was a bit like almost illicit. Like let's just run away and get married. So how many people were allowed inside the castle to witness the nuptials? Uh, including us six, so excluding us four. So my mother and father, my eldest brother and my best friend. But everyone had a job, so everyone was doubled up. So my best friend was a photographer, my brother was on the Zoom and my parents were the witnesses. <laughs> so it was like, you're not getting a free ride. Come on, do your job. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's fab. I mean, what a I mean, really special day. It's Yeah. It really was. So I would, if anyone's going, what will I do? I'm like, just do it. You can you can have a big hoolie later. Because was your plan, you know, Charlene McKenna, are you, are you the woman who actually were planning a massive, huge kind of, you know, best party in the world ever type wedding? Or was this always your dream to have a little one? Well, it was my dream to have a small one, but of, of like 80. I mean, six was maybe pushing the envelope <laughs> of, of small, but I was one of like 80, but we're both one of six. So our immediate family's made up of about sixty people anyway. So, so it was uh, it was always going to be small in that regard, but not not quite not quite what the government had in mind. But yes, a good old hooli with with proper so, friends. But so, but Adam Adam Rothenberg, who married, presumably his family were they were all stuck in America, were they? They were all stuck in the iPad. Yeah, <laughs> they were all in all in America. So yeah, it was really sad for them and really sad for him and me. But we just. We got through it on the promise that, you know, our day will come. 
where we can really celebrate together and have hugs and dancing and do it right. So now, do you feel different now you got married? I feel like I've not seen him since. Okay. Um, so <laughs> wow. I don't know. Commi- I commitment, not a big yet. thing. <laughs> no, no biggie. Bye. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah, literally, he left the day after. So, <laughs> so that was it. So now he's also living inside my phone. And you're in Manchester doing Piggy Blinders, but this is, am I right in thinking this is the end of Piggy Blinders? Yes, this is the season finale. Um, yes, this is it. I mean, given what happens in that show anyway, I mean, yeah. I can only imagine what what will end up happening for the season finale. Uh, do you know? Have you seen the last script? Oh, I've seen everything. Yes, I do know. Uh, uh, obviously, I can say nothing. I mean, it's the security around the show is so tidy. I'm like, I'm, I'm in it, and that's all I can say. Yes. <laughs> it, it's Yes, of course, Stephen Knight has written it to go out on quite the spectacular bang high. Because when did you guys realize the impact of Peaky Blinders? Because Peaky Blinders, you know, it's what it's a, it's a great show, but it's you know it's a certain scale of show, and then suddenly it just broke through kind of globally. All sorts of people were saying they watched it and loved it. Yeah, it's so it's really bizarre. I mean, I only was introduced into the show as in my character last season, so I'm only really properly in it this season. But I was a fan of it myself, and then it's. But it's more being on it you realize that the yeah the fans are are they're they're far and wide and they're devoted you know my my instagram went bananas when it was announced i was in it because i was like oh but, but i'm not really in it much yet wait what because they're you know you you don't do wrong by the peaky blinders <laughs> it's like whoa is that a weird uh, is that a kind of a weird pressure? Because you're you're one of those actors who's you know like I say you've been in lots of good things and you're talking about but suddenly to get that sort of attention was it did it kind of wrong foot you or did you think at last finally finally people no, understand? Was... <laughs> I've arrived. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, no, I was. I it totally. I I when I'm on set, I really do flip between total fangirl and professional actress hat. <laughs> and it's really confusing because one minute you're there looking at Killian and you're chatting about, you know, what are you doing for the weekend, blah, blah. And then you have a flash of going, because he's in full Tommy Shelby mode, you know, with his costume and everything. And you're going, but it's Tommy Shelby, but it's Killian. But what? <laughs> and I, yes, you do. You definitely, you definitely flip between that. And there's definitely just a slight more nerve yeah. than maybe I would normally have. And when do you think season uh, series six, the final season will hit hit our screens? I don't know. I mean, I would imagine later in the year. Oh, I would imagine it would be late autumn, winter, I assume. Uh, we look forward to that. Congratulations on uh, your marriage. And we look Thank forward to uh, Bloodlands tonight at 9 o'clock Thank on BBC you. One. A real pleasure talking to you, Charlene. Take care of yourself You too, now. Graham. Thanks for having me. Bye. 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 Thank you for joining me for the Graham Norton Radio Show podcast. I'll be back on Virgin Radio from 9.30 on Saturday morning. And the next episode of the podcast will be out first thing the following Monday. See you then. The Graham Norton Radio Show. Virgin Radio.